1: Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire de Masquerade live-play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. With the coterie still separated, Everett found himself face to face with Emily, who informed him that Lilith is supposedly still in Russia. Back in town, the despondent Evangeline returned to an empty home, Doris completed her potion and meditated on her tarot cards, and Val arrived at the station to find several people waiting expectantly. What does it mean now that one of them has casually announced that the Pyramid is here? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here.
2: Not every kindred clan uh, came to their power in the same way. Uh, Though most uh, are uh, descendant of the Antediluvians, or at least that's what the Camarilla would have you believe uh, about the the origins of, of the kindred. Uh, so, about generally think, otherwise, but we can debate that later. Um, some groups uh, came in kind of a uh, roundabout way uh, to their power, a roundabout way uh, both to the, the ways of the kindred and to uh, their, their particular bane and, and powers, uh, perhaps the most notable of which uh, is uh, the Tremere clan, uh, of which, uh, Doris, you are a part. Uh, the Tremere uh, began as House Tremere, mages uh, of the Order of Hermes. Uh, and uh, at that point, they were mostly seeking immortality and power uh, through alchemical arts, uh, through magic. Um, however, uh, the intervention and uh, meddling of uh, a man named Goratrix um, managed to render artificial kindred. It managed to um, convert at the cost of the power that these mages had spent their lives trying to achieve. Um Uh, Gortrix managed to uh, artificially create uh, kindred within uh, House Tremere, and slowly uh, the house transitioned away from being an order of mages uh, and becoming kindred proper. Uh, Now, there have been all manner of shenanigans uh, to get the Tremere from where they were to where they are today, not the least of which was Tremere himself hunting down and eating uh, an antediluvian in order to properly... Um, sort of uh, grandfather himself into uh, the sort of pantheon of of, uh, of, of founding uh, kindred clan members. But because of their unique beginnings, uh, the Tremere follow a very unique hierarchical structure found nowhere else in, in vampire society, including in the Camarilla, which is a very heavily hierarchical society. But truly none have achieved the kind of clerical nonsense of the Tremere um, in the form of the Pyramid. So having begun with literally three vampires, um, slowly, uh, rather than carrying out these these incredibly difficult rituals to create artificial kindred, uh, Tremere and uh, Gortrix, who later had a tremendous falling out uh, and, and a schism, uh, they, turned, they, they basically spent uh, ages to very slowly embrace uh, the entire house Tremere all the way down, in a literal vampire pyramid scheme. So continuing to blood bond <laughs> the people beneath them to the ones above them, thus creating a, a pyramid hierarchy with Tremere at the top, uh, which of course uh, rubbed uh, Gortrix the wrong way over time. As the process of embracing all those beneath them slowly uh, took over um Uh, House Tremere, uh, it became very much uh, a a kindred clan and began to interact with uh, kindred groups, uh, joining the Camarilla early, bringing with it uh, the power that obviously we've seen uh, Doris use a number of times of uh, what the Tremere called thaumaturgy, but it's generally known uh, more colloquially as as blood magic, Um, as well as having uh, within their society... Um, Some things that are generally verboten amongst uh, other vampire societies, specifically the blood bonding, in their earliest form, House Tremere forced blood bonding quietly and often with unbeknownst to the people being bonded, all the way down the pyramid uh, to ensure absolute hierarchical control. Uh, However, um, with the rise of the Second Inquisition and uh, the fall of Vienna in two thousand and eight, the Tremere blood changed. And As a result, these blood bonds broke in a way they never had before, and the pyramid functionally collapsed. But much like any long-standing power structure, there are those who truly love the idea of the pyramid, who seek to climb it, uh, to sit at the top, to to take the place of Tremere himself perhaps. Uh, there are others who are very happy to put this nonsense behind them and integrate more, more thoroughly into the Camarilla and into vampire society. There are Kindred uh, amongst the Tremere who have rejected uh, both the Camarilla and the Pyramid altogether, uh, following in, in the footsteps of... Uh, I literally can never remember his name, so I have to keep looking at it. Uh, I want to call him Gotrix, but that's not it. That's a Warhammer thing. Um, Gortrix, uh, who followed in Gortrix's footsteps, um, who joined the Sabbat uh, before disappearing, um, possibly being killed, possibly doing some body swapping. Who knows? It's Vampire, baby. Um but all in all, there is no single source of truth now for exactly what the Tremere are or exactly what the Pyramid means. But to each and every kindred who calls themselves Tremere, there is a meaning. And for Doris, uh, that meaning is not great. Uh, so Claire, I'm curious, um, as you begin to meditate, as as visions uh, begin to kind of uh, drift in out of your past... Um, I'm curious kind of what what went down. Uh, What what images does Doris see uh, of um, her interactions with uh, the hierarchy? Um, Just so we're all on the same page. Uh, The pyramid basically runs uh, the lowest level. There's acolytes um, who are below apprentices. Um, They've not yet been accepted as part of the clan. Um, They're not bound into the clan. Um, below them are ghouls um, or gargoyles, which are like hybrid monsters they made. So in our modern sense, if Doris were to try and recreate the pyramid, Troy would be below the pyramid. And then we've got kind of the acolyte level uh, apprentice, which is obviously um, people who are training. um, They're just starting to serve a need um, on their way up. We've got magisters um, who are uh, trusted advisors um, who can help manage disputes. More importantly though, they're not after power. Uh, these are like the really good person in any workplace who has absolutely no vertical ambition, but is just happy to be the like the best possible version of the thing they are, which is always such a gift. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there are regents who are um, running chantries and uh, are responsible for supervision. You can think of them as management, um, definitely on their way up, but not very high. We've got lords uh, who's responsible for, say, a small country or a group of states um, and are kind of uh, – particularly responsible for guiding the regents, and as a result, everyone beneath them. We've got uh, the pontifices, which is a large region, so either parts of a nation or groupings of smaller countries or islands. They oversee the lords, and above them are the councilors, the inner council of seven, the true rulers of the clan. Um, these guys are currently scattered to the winds. Uh, following the fall of Vienna, which admittedly was some time ago, um, but with the like one interesting element that Vampire Fifth Edition's brought in is the general collapse of kind of kindred communication networks, Shreknet, which was their like big dark web uh, system, is gone. Um, the Second Inquisition's rise has led to a lot of scattering, as well as uh, the the call of Gena and the exodus into the East uh, to fight. Uh, a weird vampire war. So as a result, no one really knows what happened to the counselors. Um, there are, there are rumors of course, uh, but without the blood bonds, it's very hard to tell. So um, Claire, I'm curious, where, where do you think Doris fell, fell into this when she was first inducted into, like before everything went to hell? Um, how do you think she interacted with this? Uh, or did she help hold a, a formal rank of any sort?
3: I don't think so. I feel like, um uh... <laughs> She was fairly low in the pecking order and which is why she left. Uh, well, I think her mother probably got into trouble with the, um, with the pyramid and, um, and she just wants a nice comfy rich life where she just gets to do her blood magic experiments and in, um, in peace and do tarot readings for princesses and stuff, which is why. And she just didn't see the pyramid as like, it was just too much work. That's too much work to have to try to make your way up to the kind of power that she wanted um, so she left at a fairly, I think at a fairly low level because she was just like, that's too much work. I'm not going to put in that effort. Like, no, um, I want to go be a pretty, pretty princesses mystic somewhere, uh, somewhere else. Thank you.
2: Cool. I love that. So I think safe to say then you were probably, I kind of dig the idea based on what we've seen of your power and the way you've described Doris and kind of her track and particularly your mother's history. Um, Weirdly, it almost sounds like you kind of accidentally stumbled into almost the same path that like Tremere himself followed of like, "Oh, cool, I'm really good at blood magic." Like I kind of like <laughs> stumbled backward into being a kindred um with a good deal of power and a good deal of understanding, and I think despite your lack of interest in it that probably also gave you status because in a world of people who are desperately scrabbling to be better at the pyramid, if you don't care about the pyramid but are in it, that probably makes you really intense. So let's say you were kind of almost an unofficial apprentice, I think makes sense. So not quite the lowest level where you're just kind of like mm-hmm. scratching at the window, um, but you also haven't committed any time or energy to it. You know, you you were helping out, but it, it really, yeah.
3: Yeah, I see her, like, they they probably looked at her and said, oh, she could be potentially a valuable slash powerful Um and I think she was interested enough because they were basically just like 16th century Irish peasants that mm-hmm. uh, decided to become vampires to move up in the world. Uh, she chose to be like, all right, this sounds great. And then realized that it was just too much work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's something really fun to the idea of like, oh, we're going to join the, the like the fancy fuckers who, who clearly have it <laughs> good. And it's like, oh, no, this is still peasant toil. It's just peasant toil in slightly nicer <laughs> houses. <laughs> uh, Great. Okay. I love that. It's a little bit like Bart walking into his first karate class, being like, when do I get weapons? And they're like, we're gonna meditate. He's like, oh no. Um, okay, so that's amazing. Um, how uh how do you think the um I, I think based on the way you described it, it sounds like your exit was pretty like kind of like fucking out Poor. we go.
3: I think I think she she allied herself with the princess specifically because I think she's had a lot of bad run-ins. Uh, with Pyramid people throughout the um, centuries.
2: Okay, amazing. So there's a weird thing uh, with the Tremere that I kind of dig. Basically, there was a trick they played with blood um, that was part of the way they pulled off the blood bonds, which is like super shady, but basically anyone above you in the Pyramid would all put a little bit of their blood in a cup and then make you drink that cup. So you basically be blood bonded like... It's uh, how all the, the different layers controlled all the layers beneath them was by secretly blood bonding them to everyone at that layer so normally it'd be like you know um for example we saw iris blood bond martha in uh the first season and that was literally just like you're one vampire drinking one vampire in this case they're like well what if we made you drink all the vampires <laughs> um but the interesting piece with that is they um when they started booting people Um, they managed, uh, to basically curse a bunch of people who left such that anyone in the pyramid who sees them, uh, can see like literally like a letter T branded, uh, Mm. in their forehead. Do you think you would have fallen for something like this? Or do you think you would have gotten away without that, but still badly?
3: Um, I have a, I have a merit that says I can't be blood bonded.
2: Yeah, this is, um. Is something the, different? This thing's, well, so it's related to the blood bond, but it's basically a, uh think of it almost like an alarm system. So what they did was like, if you try and get back in,
0: mm. if you try and
2: t- partake of the ceremony, we brand you so that we can always be like, oh no, no, fuck you, you're out. Like you're, because they're a very, like what's no. interesting is I can absolutely see why you would leave, but they're also like super dicks about like, well, if you leave, you can't come back in. Mm-hmm. Um So do you think it's more so just that you have a reputation and like, there might be like bounties out for you, but you don't have like a magical mark.
3: Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think I think she left after like a really bad tarot incident gone wrong or something like that, where uh, she gave a reading to a higher up and then uh, felt like she predicted something that didn't happen, and so she made it happen. Um,
2: gotcha, and oh, wow. that
3: uh, ended poorly. So she was like, peace. Okay. Great.
2: Uh, I love that. Okay. So then yeah, I think what we're we're getting then in terms of kind of your your run-ins with the pyramid sense is like um I like the idea that you've got a little bit of, of the the chosen one shine on you of like, oh no, that's that's like unnecessarily powerful one who we like brought in and then fucked us and left not great uh so there's yep. been varying responses um i think over over the years uh also because like there i have been varying opinions about the pyramid and its value and and lack thereof um so things really changed for you um obviously doris when you, when you met cleopatra mm-hmm. so um a threat that may maybe like obviously like with the death of cleopatra a little more present um but uh but not entirely what um what was uh, what was your meeting with cleopatra like do you think how how do you think you ended up in her service
3: i think that i gifted her with a really perplexing uh set of tarot cards um that were beautiful and shiny and sparkly and um, I did some kind of cool blood magic tricks for her court. Um, and then like laid out a weird list of demands of things that I wanted <laughs> uh, that, that like are like no problem. Okay, cool, you want this. That's fine. Um, in, in exchange for uh, basically being her court mystic jester.
2: I love that. I also, when you're like a list of demands, I was like, oh yeah, you can get some cool shit out of like Cleopatra. and <laughs> I was forgetting who we were talking about. And I'm like, yeah, I want to see Doris's rider so badly. Just <laughs> like, well, I need four toothpicks, obviously. Um, but the important thing is that they're served in a plate because. <laughs> um, I okay. need some
3: eyeballs. Yeah, it doesn't matter where they're from. Just as long as it's not human.
2: <laughs> um. And similar to, like, the perf- like plum in a perfume, like, floating in a man's hat, just Cleopatra would be like, eyes, of course, sure. <laughs> <laughs> taps her fingers twice. Um, but, uh, yes, I think uh, from the sounds of things, then the Cleopatra would absolutely dig that, uh, having pulled off that stupid carpet thing years ago. Like, I think she like, likes your moxie, was like, I absolutely need this. Also, not many vampires have a cool mystic, court jester tarot reader mm-hmm. um so uh match match made in in kindred heaven um great so these sorts of images are, are coming back to and i think in part um spawn because the pyramid is here which you don't know yet but you know magic uh disturbance in the forest etc but also um just running to tours again was like an odd memory of of court life um and I think you've like kind of found a good niche for yourself. It's just strange to go from like that to being a cop. Um, But, uh, but then your, your mind just, again, keeps coming back to um, back to these, these weird, like fragmented memories uh, of of the pyramid. And uh, you've got to wonder then, um, you know, hearing about temperance and then encountering the magic of the, uh, the children of Lilith is there a balance point somewhere here or are things unbalanced? Because it seemed like things were kind of balanced, but now there's new magic entering the the, the sphere, Taurus is back, uh, and the sheriff is missing, which I think was another balance point for you. Um, so I think a disquieting meditation.
3: Things are very much unbalanced for yeah. her. And she's, is, she's trying uh, to ignore that um, because that doesn't make her feel nice. But yes, she's also smart enough to understand that there are little things eating away at her brain um, and the meditation is not helping with that.
2: Cool. So Claire, what uh, what stats do you think uh, you, right. Doris would use um, to kind of counteract uh, the, the possible willpower damage uh, from, from this bad meditation?
3: I mean, I think it would probably, if it were boring, most likely, like intel. Mm. Would I be going against intelligence and awareness then?
2: Um, I think. I mean, this is a weird way to put it, but it's the only way I think I can get my head around it. It's kind of like we're almost rolling to determine like whether you wake up having slept badly, like on on your arm or something. So it's in a sense like what mm-hmm. um what is uh. What are you using to kind of, I would say like Intel would be fine um, and awareness because it's like, I'm aware of what this, the effect this is having on me. So I'm going to kind of try and let it pass over uh, that sort of thing, but it could also be um, composure. It could be resolve.
3: resolve. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Great. Um, So let's go awareness and resolve. I think awareness for just getting a sense, although I'd let you do uh, probably insight as well. So insight or uh, awareness and resolve we'll
3: do Insight.
2: Insight? Okay, and great. Resolve.
3: Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Maybe this will be better than last time. Uh, two successes.
2: Uh, I only got one success, so... Pa-pow! Um, so, yeah, you... Uh, this isn't the first time uh, Intrusive Thoughts have made their way into your, your meditation, stores. Um no. And... Honestly, you got a good potion going. Uh, mm-hmm. Things are out of sync. Uh, there, there's no there's no balance right now. But uh, you don't need to be part of that. No. Uh, so yeah, you you manage to avoid taking any um, uh, willpower damage uh, from uh, from the meditation. And um, I think still it still takes you the standard amount of time that it would take you to to kind of focus your energies. Unfortunately, but um, you do come out of it. Uh, when you do come out of it, you'll come out um, feeling all right. Okay. Um, cool. Okay. Um, Evangeline, uh, speaking of people coming out of uh, bad circumstance. Um, coming out.
4: She's.
1: No. You, man, you've been in the
2: shower for a bit. Um, <laughs>
1: she's all wrinkly. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, you. Uh, you. Do you. Ha- this is a dumb question, um, but I've been watching a lot of 90s themed shows like Yellow Jackets lately. Do you have an answering <laughs> machine? Do you think, do you and Teddy have like an actual honest to God physical answering machine or are you all-
4: Yes, because she's like a reporter, she needs people to be able to contact her like at any time and like leave messages and tips and stuff. Okay. Not like reporter, but you know what I mean? Like people, she was a news anchor. Yeah.
0: She was involved Evangeline, in- Evangeline, it's sunny.
4: Click. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh okay amazing. So um you get a uh uh you know your your home phone is ringing. Uh for those of you uh, listening watching who don't know what that is, imagine an iPhone that's stapled to a wall mm-hmm. on a short charging cable um that you pay <laughs> next to nothing for because the phone company needs to justify the polls they spent money on 10 years ago um so uh <laughs> your home phone uh rings through and uh your your answering machine uh picks it up um and it's um someone calling from the hospital um and uh they're just saying um hi there this is a a message for uh evangeline clark um uh, this is uh, Nurse Stevenson uh, here at uh, Desantis, and um, we have your your husband here. He's uh, very concerned. Uh, was told you were here. Um, based on our records, you neither uh, you, you checked in, but we don't have any record of you checking out. Uh, um, so we're not she, sure. She,
4: Evangeline, picks up the phone.
2: Uh, great. Um, so there's that incredibly awkward, no way around it, phone nonsense of like,
4: yeah,
2: uh, oh, oh, uh, he- hello, hello.
4: Can you just tell him to come home?
2: Oh, is this Miss Clark? Yes. Okay, uh yes, certainly. Um I should warn you he's 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 quite distraught.
4: Well, tell him to not be and just come home.
2: She just hangs up. Like it's been a bad day at that hospital. Um <laughs> yeah. But um at the very least you now know <laughs> where Teddy is. Yeah. Um but um, there's not a whole hell of a lot you can do. Is there anything else you would do kind of around uh, around the apartment uh, before he gets back um, to kind of settle yourself? You've dealt with Percy. You've had your shower.
4: Yeah. Um. So Evangeline, like, she's already anticipating Teddy's concern. So um, just, like, and she just doesn't want to talk about what happened, at least not yet. So she, like, goes around, picks up the clothes that she'd, like, thrown off. Um, you know, scrubs out the little blood stain that had been left on like this the stairs, like the carpet um and uh and just makes sh- she she just takes a minute, like a couple minutes to make sure that everything's tidy and nothing seems amiss, so she can just like pretend that it's all okay.
2: Oh, man. okay. Um, can you roll me a wits and awareness, please? Because I think as you continue your descent yeah. into kindredhood, what you might find not disturbing, what he might find huh. not disturbing are, are starting to diverge a bit.
4: Yeah, fair. That is uh, two successes.
2: Two successes. Um, okay, you do, you do a reasonably good job of this. Um, I think based on both how well you know Teddy and uh, this line you've been walking for so long, despite all the weird shit that's happened in the past few days, you're still... I think particularly cuz it's your home you're able to notice what what's amiss and like what are points of contention yeah. and and all that. Um as you start to uh start to do all that though you do notice that like the place looks like vaguely trashed. Um it, it there's a strong like honestly, it doesn't look dissimilar from how Val's place looked when she got home. Um <laughs> he's clearly been like just kind of scrounging for food. He clearly hasn't cleaned. There's kind of clothes all over the place. Um There seems to almost be a nest uh, around the TV uh, on the couch. Like he he was like waiting by the phone and watching the news to see if he could get any sense of what was going on. Um, And uh, yeah, you've seen this before. Um, I think there's probably some time in your career as a reporter where there was like something vaguely dangerous near you. I know you you were mostly like the softball morning show stuff, but like that
4: Chinook came in, you know, and that's it.
2: (laughs) And he did not handle that tremendously well. So you imagine this is just like that. It got
4: so warm so quickly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, cars are just flipping over from easy to drive roads. Uh, so, um, yeah, you kind of I think are, no, I, are sort I of uh, yeah. bracing for impact uh, as, yeah. as uh, you prepare things. Um, and honestly, again, as you said, this isn't something you really want to talk about. This isn't something you really care about. You're generally feeling pretty frustrated about the whole thing. Um, when a little snoop uh, nudges uh, the back of your leg and uh, you you look down uh, to see erstwhile Percy just kind of looking up at you in a weird, like, dog wants something, not sure what way. Um, and at the very least, no matter how badly the rest of tonight's going to go, there's still one person in your corner. Uh, and he's very tall, small, and very floofy. Uh, what do you say to Percy?
4: Um... I say, Percy, you are so good. (laughs) And you're like my best friend. I just like, can you just act like happy and excited and just like totally ignore any emotional weirdness that happens?
2: (laughs) And Percy looks at you with a look of, of, of wise, knowing, understanding and pisses on the carpet
1: this episode of blood and syrup features the voices of tyler hewitt at tyler underscore hewitt on twitter claire blackwood at claire blackwood on twitter del Borvik at del Tastic on twitter laura hamstra at el hamstring on twitter and storyteller tom mcgee at mcgee td on twitter
0: Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.